and welcome to another episode of the VESC, Voices from NCU Students and Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Barnhart, an adjunct professor in the School of Education, and definitely a higher ed and educational technology nerd, if I do say so myself. Um, and that's why I love this podcast. Today, we're here with another special guest who is Amber Hall. She is a master enrollment advisor here at NCU. And maybe more importantly than that, she's a current student in our Doctor of Education in Instructional Design program at the university as well. Amber, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity and excited to kind of talk to you and chat with you. Absolutely. And we really love to uh, chat it up here uh, in our podcast. Um, so, so before we start, you know, we always like to start off and ask our guests to tell us a little bit about yourself, obviously how you're affiliated with NCU, um, and you know, maybe what you like most about your program that you're in right now. Okay. Not a problem. Happy to do that. So uh, a little bit about me is, um, just in higher education in general, I've been working in this industry since 2015 and it's, it's something I've always kind of worked with students. Um, in person at first and then kind of on a computer over phone and now with pandemic virtually. Um, it's just something I love to do. So I've been in enrollment for uh, quite some time, but I love working for NCU because um, they have a really good training. They really love the students. And that's something that's that's a core value I personally have myself. So that's why I'm still in this role and still in the industry. Um, I'm a mom of Three kids. I'm one on the way. I'm expecting another baby here in May. So I'll have a family. Congratulations. Of, uh, six. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to say, but we're getting there. <laughs> so, but in the midst of all of that, I do work full time at NCU. I'm also a full time student and I am pursuing my doctorate currently. I did get my master's at NCU as well in instructional design. Now moving into the doctorate of education and in instructional design. And I really feel um, I really love what VESC is doing because virtual tools and things are not um, really prevalent or a lot of people don't know what's out there. And I've kind of learned that through my master's and even more so now in my doctorate. Um, so I'm just really excited to kind of talk about that and also uh, to just be here and talk about you know, kind of what we're going through from the virtual perspective and technology, because it's kind of been around us our whole lives. So we just never really uh, tapped into it. So this is a little bit about myself. No, <laughs> that's great. And I think, uh, no, and you're absolutely right. I, I think, you know, and we're going on, you know, almost what, what two full years and mm -hmm. more and change uh, in, in the, the great switch to virtual learning. Um, at least that's what I'm going to call it now. I think I probably should file a trademark for that. But uh, uh, and you're right, we're just maybe now starting to learn how to tap into to those things. So let's talk about that a little bit um, in terms of your doctor program. So how is how is maybe like you know instructional technology and what you're researching as you work towards your doctorate? How is it important to to the field of virtual education overall? Um, I think. Technology is is growing into something more, and I don't know if it's an if it's something that can just be tangible at this point. Um, it's it's really something that is going beyond barriers and borders. And in my degree, I'm I, we're, we're well, but what I've been studying is a lot of of the multiple intelligences and how technology has kind of 
already dug into that, but we probably should tap into that more so that we can teach or even train, develop using these technologies because they use those, whether it be AI, whether they're using agile, I mean, any of those things that involve the psychological principles, um, they're really, technology is already backed up by that, right? So now we're trying to tie those pieces together and really develop people that are not only educated with technology, but they're also uh, managers can use this technology to understand their people and train them better or teach the kids better. Like I have two kids right now and because of the technologies that's out there and the different tools and things, I can understand my kids without actually having to like pry their brain open, you know, and actually understand, you know, what, what they need on the learning scale, or maybe it's not, maybe it's social emotional learning. We can use these tools to understand our kids without uh, having to poke and pry them like we've had to do in the past. So it's just a lot of different ways. It's not just computer science anymore. It's not just graphic design anymore. It's it's pretty much anyone and everyone. And that's what I uh, kind of been studying and learning more about within this instructional design program because our teacher really expands. She's really having us dig beyond what we would consider education and understand how we can be the changers of this uh, and this education sphere and beyond that as well. So that's no that those are that's great insight. Um, and now let's let's flip that a little bit further. How do you see it maybe impacting? Uh, and you talked a little bit briefly about it there uh, in maybe training and stuff like that. But how do you really see it uh, in in sense of? the applications for teaching, learning, and supporting of learners. Because I, I feel like, you know, now, even maybe more than ever with Zoom and other technologies, you know, we it's not just like send an email question for help. We can provide more dynamic support, I think, um, in this virtual environment. Would you agree with that? I do. And I really feel like we can reach our kids without just doing Zoom videos. You know, we can reach more people um, and we could do – I know that there is a, a, a education policy where you teach kids in pods, you know, and that's in person. What if that was technological? Then we could really narrow down, you know, what areas kids struggle in and kind of isolate those using technologies. Maybe we do individual pods. Let's say this is a virtual school, right? And they're all in pods and you're the teacher. You could literally teach the lesson for the five to six kids and then, you know, meet with them individually and study with them individually. Now, I don't know if that's possible. Again, this is just like a a theory I'm coming up with. But um, what if we could teach that way? What if we could use Zoom and then use um, I know we don't use it here a lot in America, like Prezi. I know that over in the UK, they use that with kindergartners. Kindergartners are up uh, right up against the screen and they are interacting with a smart board, you know, and they're five. If, if we could do that here, our kids would not be as disconnected. And I can see it. You know, when we were in the pandemic, my kids were at home, they were remote. They're in this Zoom call and they're so disengaged. And it's because there's no interactivity. There's no action. Like if they were in the classroom, they'd be talking to other students. There's, there's that, that element that's missing. So if we could somehow make this or isolated using either Prezi or using um, Zoom. There's a lot of different interactive tools. I know my one of my professors uses Loom all the time. 
And Loom is, is actually a Google Chrome attachment, like an extension. And it's just really simple to use. Teachers could use that. It wouldn't have to be a software that you have to download. It's just click and start. You know, teachers could just pop in, learn how to take a, maybe a, I don't know, a one day training on how to use Loom and they could just start using it. Zoom might take a little bit more training and development. All these other tools might take more time where Loom might not be as difficult for a teacher. And they could use those opportunities to do office hours with elementary school. I mean, we do office hours in college. Why are we not doing that with elementary school kids, you know, or, or even middle school? Meet with the kids. Let them know that we care about them. And yes, I know the classrooms are bigger, but that's where that pod theory comes into play, where we have smaller classes, smaller groups of kids learning together, collaborating, working together, and even making um doing what they do kind of in the art department, maker spaces, or including some STEM and, you know, all these different things. Because if you use your whole brain versus one part of your brain, you, it's like music. When you listen to music, you use all the hemispheres of your brain. You could do that in everything we learn. We could be much more uh, educated, but not just educated because we're just smarter, but we're just using our brain to its full capacity, you know? So that, that's just kind of what I think. And we have the tools. We have the software, we have the technology, we even have the artificial intelligence now. So it's really no reason why we shouldn't be. And I think it's just a, a, an initiative at this point that, that should take place. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think, you know, um, this might be like a hot button topic right now, but I think the metaverse, you know, everything that Facebook's doing with the Oculus and stuff like that, mm -hmm. as, as maybe as nefarious uh, as Mark Zuckerberg could potentially be, uh, I, I could see where that really becomes, you know, like in your pod example, let's say we're in like biology class. So now we put our, our virtual reality on and we're in the lab and we can dissect the frog, you know, uh, right, right there. So I, I definitely see very cool applications, uh, you know, and, and integrative ways to, uh, to really, you know, reach learners where they're at. That's, that's really good insight. Um, this is uh, the, the whole concept of instructional design and, and applications of ed tech has always been very interesting to me. And I imagine that there are other maybe current master's degree students or prospective doctoral students at NCU that, that will listen to this podcast. If, what recommendations would you have for them uh, if they're interested specifically in this area of uh, education and technology? I would say don't limit yourself because the great thing about NCU's program is that it's not, it's, it is in the school of ed, it is, but it's not just for ed students. To give you an example, I have a colleague of mine whose daughter is a law student, okay? She's got, she's traditional, very normal, not really creative law student, but she wanted to be the trainer for her company, right? So she wanted to be that person and they didn't have anyone. So she didn't know what, what does she need to get to do that? She's already a lawyer, but how does she, you know, create what they need? She knows what they need, but well, how does she do that? So I recommended instructional design. She's actually, I think she's still in the program right now. And she, um, when I explained that to my colleague who's on, who's on my team, he said, wow, I think she would like it. And then um, he talked to her about it and she got started and she's almost done and she's never been so more, more engaged. No one would have ever thought that you would go take a law student <laughs> or a, law, a lawyer and say, hey, why don't you get a master's in instructional design? Then you can create the curriculum. Then you can design. You could be the creator of this whole training system for your company. Why not? Because that's what the program's going to teach you. So I would say don't limit yourself to just ed. 
I know we talk about Ed, but put your mind outside of it. And just to give you an, 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 another example, I have a fashion degree as well. My, I have a master's in fine arts and fashion merchandising. So I have that from the Academy of Art University. And I could see myself doing a lot of this instructional design stuff, doing like a, a virtual fashion school. I could do that. I could see myself doing that with the tools that they teach you at the, in the MSID program. Absolutely. So A, don't limit yourself. B, don't be afraid of the theory and the rigorousness of the program. Or don't be afraid to try um, and understand the different audiences that have needs. There's so many niche markets out there that are not being served. Find one. And as an instructional designer, go after it. Make the tools they need. Make the things that they need because you'll get those skills in the masters. And you'll be shocked how many teachers will appreciate you. You'll be shocked if you go like to elementary, middle school or higher. Maybe you're not going to go there. Maybe you'll go straight to like a big company, like maybe like Wells Fargo and they don't have, I don't know what they have for training, but maybe there's a business that's struggling, you know, to reach their people, make what they need and see what happens. That's the great thing about instructional design, at least from the one that I received at NCU. I can't speak to other programs, but I definitely can say I have the skills to really go to any industry now and I don't feel scared or nervous about doing it because I have the instructional principles behind me that are supporting me. And I could really walk into any industry and move forward and create some really great things for people to serve them better and create better learning experiences. So that's what I would say to a student. Uh, great advice. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, we're, I, this is the point where uh, in our conversation, we try to Flip, flip from the research side to more of the practice side. So, um, mm-hmm. and application. So, is there a specific technology or um, you know tool that you use that adds value to your virtual learning, or you know, any maybe assignments that you use, or um, just in general? Yes, I have a go-to. Unfortunately, I have a little group of technologies that I love, and um, if it's video, like making videos or things like that. I, again, I use Loom because it's very simple. It's quick. You don't have to do a lot of setup, download, all of that. And I also have a tool called Crisp. I don't know if anyone's heard of it before, but it, it's a noise cancellation thing. So your whole life, if you're doing like a, a video and you want to make sure that the car, the garbage truck or your neighbor yelling at their dog or their dog barking doesn't get into your video, well, Crisp will kind of clear it out with AI technology. So that's actually on my computer as well. So that's a great tool that I use. And then on top of that, I do use PowerPoint. I feel a little old school <laughs> because I, it's, it's PowerPoint, but I also use that with Prezi. So depending on who I'm speaking with or working with, if I need a lot of interaction. I'll do a traditional PowerPoint presentation and I'll convert it to a Prezi presentation. So. That's usually how I kind of get through that. No, I, but those, I, I like those. That that uh, uh, the noise cancellation software is that's a game changer. Uh, absolutely, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna have to connect with you offline about that one. Uh, download it ASAP. 
Uh, let's talk about Loom for a second because because you mentioned it earlier and you came back to it, so I, I think it's important. Um, what and this you know we kind of ask how does this benefit everybody? And obviously it, might, it, it, it it's a good tool, but how how have can you give us like an example of how you've used it and how maybe others could use it then? Absolutely. So the way um, I currently use it is for quick tutorials. So let's say you're a teacher or a trainer and you need to teach a skill like right now, like something's changed and you need to create a video on how to do this process. Well, because it's an extension, it's not software like hardwired to the laptop or the desktop. You just click that and then do the video um, and then it creates transcripts if you need to. So if you need that for someone who has visually, you know, maybe they're deaf and they can read the video, read the transcript, it makes things like that. Um, on top of that, it's a link, which is great. So you're not dealing with um, any of those downloaded videos because sometimes they can be large, right? Sometimes your videos that you make or tutorials you make are large. So cloud-based software is, is huge and you can leave all of your videos in a one location on the Loom account and send them to whoever. On top of that, it's collaborative. So let's say you're doing a live one where you can invite people into that uh, video and they can collaborate with you in there. I haven't done that yet. I'm kind of nervous, but I do think it's a great tool because let's say you're having virtual meetings, right, with a team and you need all your team members. So instead of doing Zoom, which can be a lot of, um, you know, a lot of memory, it uses a lot of memory, it slows computers down especially if you're using Teams, like Microsoft Teams with Zoom, computers crash. This is the things I deal with every day in enrollment. So if there's any way to avoid that from a technological perspective, let's try it. So Loom allows that as well. And if someone isn't able to get to the meeting, it's literally click the link, copy it, send it to them, and then it can watch it. So it just makes it really easy for transporting that tutorial or video or whatever you need. I and, and then you can also use that to um, how do I say it? Uh, it's like screencast. They screencast it. And if you're using Prezi or if you're using PowerPoint, you're able to do a screencast session with your own picture in there. And it's all in one little tool. So I, I do a lot of that in my current role. And that just makes my life easier because I don't have to have a folder. There's less file management, you know, on the computer and it's all cloud based. So that's really why I like it. And it just doesn't I think these people aren't aware of that it's here because we have the big giant that are already there like Zoom and, you know, Google Hangout. And those other ones are pretty much what a lot of people use. But. Um, I think it's a great tool for people to explore and play with and see how it would benefit them. Um, I, like I said, my professor, Dr. Reed, that's all he uses for everything. <laughs> he doesn't use anything else. And I don't blame him because I can see why he can send a link uh, with my feedback for as a student. I got lots of audio feedback from him all the time because he just open loom, talk about my paper, show me what he was looking at. And there you go. In two minutes, I have my feedback and I know what I need to do to move forward to be a more successful student. So he was just very good and efficient in that way. So that's that's one reason why. And I have him to thank for that, because I it's hard with other tools. If you don't know all the technological behind it, the computer science 
stuff, as I say. If you don't know how that works on your computer, Loom doesn't seem to give me issues a lot of times. So that's the main reason. No, that's very cool. So it sounds like if if my takeaway from this, if there's one new tool I'm going to go out and get besides the uh, noise canceling because that's just too cool. Uh, Loom is the <laughs> one to go with, right? I would say so. And I've used Loom and Crisp together and they, they're fine. They're both like extensions. And, and, you know, I know Chrome takes up a lot of people's memory, usually on their computer. So to have uh, an extension versus like a whole program, like my, like PowerPoint's actual program, you got to download that, you know, to be able to do that and be, to be more efficient and quick and get those quick trainings done, but also get those thorough ones and then meetings and all hands meetings and things like that on a virtual scale, cloud-based scale is just so much more efficient in the business world. And you can reach more people that way. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, and thank you for, that was very insightful. I, I feel like I have a whole bunch of downloads I have to take care of tonight. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will feel the same way. All right. Well, we reached the point where uh, we ask everybody this question uh, as we get towards the end. But um, aside from uh, maybe Loom, is there one other hack that you are using um, to, to get through maybe in your own coursework or, uh, you know, just to make your life easier aside from anything else that you talked about today? Yes, I actually am using, um, and I think it's very unorthodox because I don't think Canvas is used in this capacity, Uh, but I use Canvas, the uh, learning management system, for my youth group. I have 12, uh, I have actually birth, ages birth to gray or age 12. And every second Friday, what I do is uh, we go through the Bible, we talk about it, and we get online. And we do like a whole like video jam session with my my kids in my church. So I use Canvas. It's it's a classroom for sure, but I use it as a landing page to keep coordination between parents and kids. And what I do is I get them on there and I have them talk to each other. You know, I'm I'm still trying to. I mean, I know that these kids are like seven, eight, nine, and you know, technology is not the easiest thing for them. There's a lot of limitations with their parents and whatnot. But I, play, I create spaces for them to be able to reach me and not have to call me or maybe ask a question um, that maybe they don't want to ask in person. And they can post anonymously and they can submit prayer requests and things like that. They're able to, to reach me in a very not informal manner. And then I can reach them and we can have a private jam session in Canvas. Um, I can reach out to their parent through there, kind of collaborate with them. That's kind of a cool tool I'm using. And I'm trying to explore the different ways that I can maybe teach outside of that. Um, teach stuff about instructional design, teach um, how to help teachers, you know, make their own tools. I'd like to create classes in that way because Canvas right now is just used in the classroom, you know. It's just used for kids K through 12, primarily a little college here and there, but mostly it's just the little kids, you know. And I just feel like it's underserved in that fashion. And I'm just trying to explore ways that I can use Canvas in a much, much more um, usable way than ways they probably don't even think you could use it. But it has a lot of potential. And I'm going to I'm going to test the waters. I'm going to see what I can do here and see what I can come up with and see what uh, audiences I can serve in using Canvas and kind of maybe blow them out, blow them out the water a little bit and thinking of what they can and cannot do. Maybe. We'll see. But that that's one tool I would definitely have people look into. 
That is super cool. No, I that is awesome. I mean, I just like the whole you're outside the box kind of like approach to everything in terms of in and not that you know, maybe like from an outsider's perspective, we think like instruct, instructional designers to be maybe very narrow and kind of like, you know, like the IT kind of people. But that's re- but like the way you approach it is almost like an art form. Uh, and this has been super like awesome just to, to have this conversation and really open, I think, a lot of doors to, to really all the applications that instructional design and ed tech really has across the board. So thank you really for taking the time to talk to us tonight. I really appreciate that. It's not a problem. It's my pleasure. And, uh, you know, I, I do have a very creative mind. I've always been told that. And I just think that there's always another way to look at things. And I remember when I was a kid, there was some PBS commercial that says it's all about how you look at it. And then that would be the end of the commercial. And I just would that's something that's always kind of stuck with me. It is all about how you look at it. Yes, it's presented one way. But then what if it's just some another way? There's got to be something you know, that you could do, just tweak it a little bit and then it might work better. Or maybe it won't, might crash and burn, but we got to try something, you know, to get a different result and, you know, just try things different. And I think we have the tools. And if we all can calm down (laughs) and really think about it, you know, bring our minds in, we all could really look at all the, the opportunities to not only collaborate, to teach each other, and to train each other and then build each other up so that we all go up instead of just some of us. All of us can go up at the same time. We'd have to work together. And that's pushing it beyond just teamwork. That's brain work and, you know, all those things that require more than one voice. So if we could do that, it's amazing what we'll be able to do. I think we limit ourselves a lot of times. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm the first partaker of that definitely limit myself from time to time. So, but I really appreciate you taking the time and chatting with me. I love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. We really I hope that this touches absolutely. someone. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We really appreciate it. And before we go, we always like to la- ask the last thing, how could uh, maybe NCW, NCU community members or potential NCU community members uh, connect with you? I do have a, I think the best way to reach me right now, because I'm in transition, I have two portfolio pages. There's no contact up there yet. They're still under construction. But the best way to reach me would probably be on LinkedIn. I am very much active in there. I am. And it's just Amber Hall. Nothing fancy. I have my picture up there. And um, that's probably the best way to reach me right now. Or by email. I am always in my email, which is arichelle4 at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to me. I am an open book. I will try to help whoever I can, even if it's just a small little artifact or if it's just some advice. I'm all for it because it's a scary world out there. If you're trying something new and if someone's gone through it already and they can prevent a lot of bumps in the road, let, let's try and do that first before we try and crash and burn. That's always what I say. Take the wisdom way. It's better for you. <laughs> I love that. And we'll leave you on that note for all of you listening. Take the wisdom way uh, and tune in next time for our next episode of Best Voices from Students and Alumni. But for Amber Hall, I'm Dr. Ryan Barnhart. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs>